0: I know that when clients hire me to help their people, they might look at me as someone who has all the answers. And why wouldn't they? I'm a consultant. I'm a trainer. I'm a coach. People are paying me to help fix their challenges. The thing is, I'm human. And, you know, you and I, We've our fair share of moments of doubt and sometimes even identity crises. Am I really an expert? Why do I suddenly feel vulnerable on front of this room of people I've just met or I've never met before? What if someone I'm training knows more about this subject and asks a question I can't answer and I look stupid? What if this program or workshop isn't what people need? Why is this such a struggle? Why do I have these conversations in my head? And today's guest, Grace Marshall, suggests that all of these voices of doubt in your head are totally normal. She writes that you have to let go of being right, of having all or any of the answers, and as a great coach or trainer, be willing to get stuck into the questions instead. That's great advice. So, Grace today is going to tell us why struggle is normal and why this is the way things are meant to be. This is the Training Business Podcast.
1: And welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett-Hayes.
0: Hey, welcome to the show. My name is Mark, and this is the weekly training business podcast. This is the show that goes out every single Thursday. And if this is your first time here, welcome to the show. If it's not your first time here, welcome back. It's wonderful to know you're here and listening. There are loads of great podcasts out there. I know that because I listen to them too, but I'm grateful that you've chosen to listen to this one and particularly this one, because this week's subject or episode is all about something that more than likely, more than likely, rages through your mind at some point in the course of your month or day or or week, and it's this voice of doubt. Am I actually doing what I'm supposed to do? Why are things so difficult right now, irrespective of COVID? So every week we have a subject or a guest or both on the show, and the reason that the show exists is to help you with your training business journey whether you're thinking of joining this business getting into the business of training and coaching and facilitation or whether you're actually in this business just like me a number of a number of years and you love talking about things all things to do with training learning and development etc so every week there's an episode of the show can I ask you therefore to subscribe right now because this costs you nothing and of course means the world to me and the people behind the show, including Sam and James. And it's my pleasure to have an episode every Thursday lined up for you. That's my promise. So please click on subscribe right now and you'll be given notice of upcoming episodes. And of course, you can find out more details about the guests that we have every single week and the blogs that some of our guests write. And you'll find those on our website, which is, of course, www.trainingbusiness.com. Grace, hi, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Mark.
0: Your LinkedIn profile says you are, and I guess this is something you've called yourself, head coach and chief encourager. Uh, why don't we start with your LinkedIn CV, how long have you been in the training
1: business? (laughs) So um, the head coach and chief encourager bit actually came from when I started in the coaching business, and that was back in 2008. Um, I then expanded into the training business in 2012 when I became a productivity ninja. So that's another official job title that I have.
0: (laughs) So you're not just a trainer, you're also an author, which is one of the reasons I've invited you on the show today's in relation to your latest book. You've written a couple of books and the latest one is called Struggle. What's the main idea behind Struggle? Because it's a hell of a name. And I think it's something we'd recognize as people who work, you know, as as self-employed coaches or facilitators or trainers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the full book title is Struggle, The Surprising Truth, Beauty and Opportunity Hidden in Life's Shittier Moments.
0: Um, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a nice subtitle
1: yeah absolutely it's definitely one that gets people laughing a lot and get people going oh yes I recognize those especially with the kind of year that we've had um so the idea of the book is that you know we we live and work in a world that's um, pretty obsessed with getting you know success fast hacks quick wins perfection and in this world of work, struggle has become a bit of a taboo. So it's like a sign that something's gone horribly wrong. Um, And, you know, if somebody says, I'm struggling, it's often seen as almost the opposite of being productive. Um, And in especially in the world that I work in, whereas actually, I started thinking, well, but what if it's not? You know, what if it's not a sign that it's all gone wrong or a sign that there's something wrong with us? What if actually struggle isn't just a battle to fight or a trap to avoid or a sign of weakness? You know, What if it's actually where where the magic happens, where sometimes our best work comes from? What if it becomes the birthplace of our best work? Um, and if that's the case, how can we think about struggle differently so that we can engage with it in a different way?
0: I guess uh, I'm reminded of a quote or a famous quote, maybe it's a misquote from uh, Nietzsche who said, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Um, I'm sure there are plenty of people who would disagree with that, but if we think of, of the context, why do you feel this book will serve people? Because when I saw the title, I thought struggle, what exactly is struggle in, in the context of business or life or both?
1: Yeah. So I think, yeah, when, when we talk about struggle, you know, when people start talking about it, now the first thing is that they often don't talk about it. But when they do start talking about it, we then recognize actually it's a very universal thing. So we all have struggles. But because we um, tend to see it as a taboo, we don't tend to look at it, like almost look it in the eye. We tend to just want to avoid it. Or we tend to kind of talk about it with a sense of shame or embarrassment. But actually, um, yeah, if we're able to engage with struggle differently, we can notice that sometimes yeah, the thing that feels like it's getting in the way of our success actually could be the thing that leads to our next innovation. It could be the thing that leads to us growing stronger. It could also be just like, actually, this is what the work is this is what work looks like right now um and rather than feeling like rather than adding to that sort of struggle with adding things like guilt or shame or embarrassment or feeling like we have to cover up or um or pretend that everything's fine so like that whole thing of being the swan of like not showing anybody else that you're struggling if we can remove all of that we can actually waste less of our energy um trying to avoid or cover up struggle and actually spend more time really focusing on okay what's actually going on here and yeah what's the the best way for me to engage with this
0: yeah I mean you're a, you're a trainer as well so you get this you know people listening to the show or people right now who are self-employed or working perhaps on some kind of contract uh, and many trainers facilitators coaches have tried to keep their heads above water these last months in 2020 2021 a lot of people feel like giving up I know this because I've received emails from people thinking you know have I made the wrong choice here I'm thinking of going back into full-term employment or I'm in full-time employment I'm thinking of coming out and do my own thing. Um, how should we feel about the day-to-day struggle of being trainers of being business owners people who make their crust their living by helping other people and often trying to put a brave face on things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um I think the last yeah the last year has been very telling. Um you know, it's definitely it's been there's been a lot of disruption there's been a lot of crisis. Um but I, there are a couple of things that I've noticed. First is that within the crisis yeah you know, within crisis there's always an opportunity um it, we may not go looking for the opportunity because it's like i really didn't need this crisis right now but there is all, often a hidden opportunity within that crisis it doesn't mean that the hardship isn't there but it does mean that there's maybe some gems that we can mine from it so for example in the training business um i know for for us as a, you know, a training business we've um we had a you know a few things that we did virtually and online, but mainly we were a face-to-face practical training company. So we do things like getting your inbox to zero, where we would be in the room, like looking over people's shoulders, looking at their screens, their inboxes, and like physically sometimes holding the mouse to go look, click here, click there. This is what you do, and so it's very practical. And we'd get we always said, oh no, we can't do that one virtually. But, you know, given the year, the last sort of 15 months that we've had, we obviously had to look at, well, if we can't see people face to face, how do we do things virtually and how might we make it work? So the sort of things where we'd thought of before as a, like almost a, a nice to have or, yeah, let's explore that someday. It's kind of a pie in the sky idea. Suddenly, because you know, like necessity is often the mother of invention, isn't it? So because it was necessary for us to be able to connect with people virtually um we've managed to translate all of our workshops online and it might not be exactly the same thing but it's still really useful and we found ways of doing it so sometimes there's an innovation benefit to struggle that you know, when because because our brains are lazy like if if something's working well enough there's no impetus to change that um, whereas so sometimes it's we can have good ideas but sometimes we don't follow through on those ideas until the conventional way is shut I'm sure you've heard similar to like when you know when people are coming out of you mentioned people coming out of employment and starting setting up their own business often it's not until you know they they have like redundancy or they, they something like that that kind of gives them that impetus to go right now is the time to make this happen even though I've thought about it for years
0: so it sounds like we're in solution mode there we're talking about the solution you must have felt struggle too because what you've just described is something that I went through and and many trainers went through is this sudden realization That the world has changed. We're used to building a business around face-to-face and, you know, workshops on site, either in our own venues or a hired venue or on clients' uh, property. What was the struggle for you, if we define that, in terms of your experience where you thought, oh my goodness, things have changed, the pricing structure I had is no longer valid, the way I deliver training is no longer valid uh, and what people want from me in some respect is no longer valid. What was that like for you?
1: Yeah, so for me, I think um, there are various things. So the, the the most immediate one was obviously the work that I had booked in the diary or got postponed or cancelled. So oh, yeah. I went... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I went from being like okay this is like the busiest month uh, you know ever to ah okay now I have a very clear diary um so there was there was that struggle um the i guess the financial side of things I was in a fortunate position that um you know, I'd, I'd been through a, a number of years of of um you know having quite a lot of opportunities so we'd i'd built up quite a lot of um margin in in terms of finances so i didn't feel the walls at the door quite so keenly as maybe some of my other colleagues had um so for me you know, one of the things i realized was when um oh who was it who said Uh, The name will come back to me probably later, but um, I I remember reading about somebody talk about poverty and they said that like poverty basically gives you a very um, short term vision. Like you don't you don't worry about the future because you're just worrying about how do I put food on the table? And what I noticed was um, I think somebody said, yeah, we're on the same storm, but we're not all in the same boat. And for for some trainers in particularly, um, that actually the boat they were in was like, this is sinking, and it's really hard for me to even figure out. It's really hard for us to get creative sometimes when we're in that mode of like, I just need to survive. Um, so as a team, we had a mix of people in different boats. So there was me kind of going financially, I'm okay. I had colleagues who were going, actually, I need to figure out how I'm gonna pay the mortgage. So um so we we came together to help each other out. So because I had more bandwidth to think more creatively, I was part of the team that started looking at um, what other products can we create? You know, What are people really struggling with? What can we help them with? And we ended up coming up with um, a new product called the um, Productivity Ninja's Guide to Remote Working. And we actually did a whole load of free sessions um, that people could sign up to, um, to just to be helpful and get stuff out there. And then also with then we found that people would come to that and then they go, actually, my team could use this or our organization could use this. And then they booked us to deliver that workshop. Um, but I mean, yeah, for me, I think the struggle for me personally was a lot of change, high change, high uncertainty, a lot of decisions to make. And, and even simple decisions, like if I need to pop out to buy some milk because we've run out of milk like even that wasn't a simple decision anymore because it's like oh i need a mask am i allowed out and all of that kind of stuff so for me i think it was the cognitive overwhelm was the biggest struggle but i know certainly for other people it was the financial side of things um and also just the high uncertainty of like how how i normally live and and how i normally earn a living has completely changed
0: Some people lost their jobs. Some people thought, you know, this is a great chance to write a book, as you've done and are doing. Uh, It's a chance to redirect my skill set. Some people have changed careers. Um, And I'm minded of a a quotation from your book, in which you quote something that J.K. Rowling said, where she said that failure meant stripping away the inessential, I stopped pretending to myself I was anything other than what I was and I began to direct all my energy into finishing the only work that mattered to me. Had I really succeeded at anything else, I might never have found the determination to succeed in the one arena I believed I truly belonged. I was set free and because my greatest fear had been realized and I was still alive and I still had a daughter to whom I adored, and an old typewriter and a big idea. And so rock bottom became the solid foundation on which I rebuilt my life. So from your book, are there stories of people who perhaps in a, in a sphere or a field of endeavor, not a million miles from training or coaching or consulting, have you stories of people who've shared with you experiences where they felt almost reborn on the back of a struggle like this, where, you know, all of a sudden everything changes, rules change, but uh now they realize this is what I meant to do.
1: Yeah, really interesting question. I think there I'm trying to think what stories there are in there that would particularly resonate um for trainers. Um actually I think one, you know, one of the stories I talk about is is just my own um well, yeah, my, my own journey. Um and I don't, you know, I didn't have a, a rock bottom story quite as dramatic as J.K. Rowling's, um, but Thank uh, God. One of uh, yeah, <laughs> but one of the things that um that I can relate to is the uh, what I call the curse of the capable. So I grew up, you know, as, as a straight A student, uh, people pleaser, um, very much about like what do I need? To, who do I need to be in order to be successful? That was kind of or, or in order to fit in or in order to belong. That was kind of how I grew up. Um, and so I kind of you know, came out of school, went to university, got a degree, got a job. And I actually hit a wall quite early on in my career where I um, because I worked for a small startup. So I think in, in those kind of environments, if something's not quite right, you get to know quite quickly. Um, and, um, and actually, I'm really grateful for that experience because the long and short of it was that I had my career crisis early. I had my midlife crisis in my mid 20s. Um, I quit my job, I started a family and I'll tell you what, after I started my family, that's when the real identity crisis started. Um, But then after that, I started looking at, okay, what, what do I really want to do? Not just like, what am I capable of doing? What will someone else pay me to do? Um, but actually, what's the what's the truly, you know, the, the thing I really want to kind of you know, put my efforts into and want to pursue? And that's how I ended up in coaching. That's how I ended up on the journey that I'm on now, um, where I, I can honestly say I, I thoroughly enjoy my job. And yes, there are still struggles, obviously, um, but I thoroughly enjoy you know, kind of what I'm doing. Now, If I had been in a situation where maybe it wasn't quite so cutting, maybe I worked for a big company and the first job wasn't a great fit, so maybe they moved me on to a different department. You know, might might have gone sideways, gone different, you know, different kind of avenues. I could have just bounced around from job to job, being able to do just about a good enough job not to get fired, but not really thriving um, or giving my best in whatever arena that is, um, because I actually wasn't in the right environment.
0: So people who are listening to this and thinking, you know, this should be easy. Um, I now have got an opportunity to reinvent myself, but I'm still not clear what I've learned from all this mess with with COVID. Um, it's a shock to the ego and people's sense of self-worth when, you know, they talk to someone, they produce some kind of learning program online or offline, and all of a sudden they feel this is not working. Uh, maybe I should just quit and go back to doing what I'm, I used to do. Um, what if, and you, in the book, you say this, that what if we're missing the lesson here, that actually the, the teaching and the learning is not uh, the success, but it's the failure. Um, and what you also call the gift of resentment. What does that mean?
1: Yeah. So I think it's um one of the phrases you said just at the beginning of that was, this should be easy. And I think that's really telling because like, that's, that's how we see struggle is like, you know, it struggle is almost a sign of like something's wrong because this should be easy but actually sometimes you know things are hard and um, so even just like the acceptance of you know when i'm struggling it doesn't mean I shouldn't be struggling you know so maybe even just allowing ourselves permission to struggle um, helps to begin with. Um, and then when it comes to the gift of resentment is really just recognizing that sometimes um resentment can be good information. So sometimes when something's not working, or there's um, you know, something has has failed, it's or it's gone not quite as we expected. So it's kind of there's been a deviation. Um, there can be good information in there if we only, only kind of actually turn to pay attention to it. And this is the really interesting thing about how we um how we engage with struggle because if we think that struggle means there's something wrong or there's something wrong with us we tend to respond with a fight or flight response so it's you know and, and that's basically the, the kind of stress response that we have it gives us narrow vision it kind of primes us for for quick reactions to either battle through or to um run away so when we go into solution focus mode in that stress that, that fight or flight mode our solutions are limited to how do I get through this or how do I get away from this? And it's not really looking at, well, what can I learn from this? So one of the things I talk about in the book is to activate curiosity in the face of fear. So to notice when that fear instinct is kicking in, but then to go, okay, what if I don't need to fight this or run away from it right now? What if I can just look at it with a lens of curiosity and maybe you just ask myself some good questions about what do I think this means? What else could it mean? What else is going on here? What does this tell me? If this was good information, what would it tell me? So to give you an example, um, as I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm quite a people pleaser. I'm a very accommodating person. As a coach, one of my main drivers is I want to help people. And so you put all of those things together. Um, you know, When I started out in coaching, I had no niche. You know, it was like, I can coach anybody on anything um, and I want to be helpful to everybody. But of course, from a marketing perspective, that's just a terrible idea. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I've had to kind of learn you know, to, to kind of really home in and trying to figure out who, who, who am I targeting? Who am I specializing for? What kind of things do I specialize in? And there's only so much that you can do of that on your own. Where I found that I've learned more were actually the times when the fit was wrong. So if I've taken on the wrong client or I've had um, an inquiry conversation that's just gone horribly wrong, um, those situations created that sense of irritation or frustration or resentment, but those situations actually were times when I learned the most because it, it's almost like, um, you know, because I'm so accommodating, I'd, you know, I maybe don't have a strong a boundaries or kind of a clarity about, you know, what what I'm offering, and what I'm not offering or what's okay and what's not okay. So it's often not until that boundary is crossed that we notice like, ah, that's where the line is. That's where the boundary is. And so that helps me then to clarify, okay, here's what I do best. It's like this. It's not like this. This is okay. This is not okay. Um, or like these, you know, this is how I work. So if you want this kind of thing, I'm the right person for you if you want something else or if you want these other things, then actually there are better people I can point you towards. Um, and that kind of level of clarity actually only came from those situations that also created irritation and resentment. So you know, a couple of ways of thinking about this. One is um, a chemist friend actually reminded me that a catalyst is essentially an irritant.
0: <laughs> so next
1: time you, know, if you find something that's irritating you, it's like, okay, what can this catalyze? Um, and the other way is to think about sandpaper. So the stuff that rubs you raw can also be used to refine and clarify.
0: So I'm looking at an article in which you are quoted, and this is in Forbes uh, magazine. And it's where someone's talking about the fact that um, often we 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 think of ways to, to what we tell ourselves actually, it's what, what we tell ourselves about the struggle. What What should we be telling ourselves if we are trainers, if we're coaches who seem to have this vision. We've learned this from somewhere, perhaps from Instagram or comparing ourselves to other people. And I think that's definitely, from my personal perspective, true. Uh, Someone said once, comparison is the thief of joy. I think that's very true. If we're looking at other people and we think we know how their business is doing, we think that that trainer, that coach on on LinkedIn is, you know, 50,000 followers, they're doing this, this, and this, it looks like success. What should we be, be doing mentally to actually... Navigate that. So we're we're being gentle with ourselves. We're we're being productive. We're being focused. Of course, thinking of what uh, Cal Newport's book is all about—you know, deep focus. But often, what I find is the problem is this mental monster. It's the it's the language internally saying, "I should be more successful or as successful as this consultant, this trainer." Because we're looking at other people, we may not have the full picture. What should we be telling ourselves if, if that is the case? You know, internally. Um, to deal with this internal struggle?
1: Yeah. So I think it's first of all, maybe recognize that. Recognize that what are those shoulds that you're telling yourself. Um and then and then we can, you know, we can kind of question that. It's like, how true is that? What's the evidence for that? And what if that's not true? What if, yeah, you know, what if that's you know, what else could be true here? So I think that kind of playing around with curiosity, recognizing the lens that we're looking at something with, but also then challenging that and looking for other perspectives, um, is always a really good exercise to do and that's an exercise you can do by yourself it's an exercise you can do with thinking partner that's often an exercise I do as a coach
0: what's a thinking partner I like that
1: yeah yeah so getting yourself a thinking partner it could be a coach it could be um, a mentor um, or it could just be somebody you trust who you can you and 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 even sometimes just asking them to be a thinking partner um can create that dynamic because sometimes what happens when we start talking about our struggles is people go straight into fixing mode
0: that's true (laughs) yeah.
1: <laughs> so they're like, oh, I had a similar thing. This is what I did. Or here's what I think you should do. Or, um, and so we jump into a mode where actually sometimes it's like, actually, what would be really helpful right now is, could you just be a thinking partner for me? Could you help me think through these things?
0: So someone listening to this is right now, one of us, you know, people like you and me, we're currently sitting at home listening to this and thinking, you know what, I've got this problem. Um, I want to enlist someone to be my thinking partner. How would you begin this conversation if you haven't got access to a coach, uh, or it's something you're not willing to talk about with anyone else except someone you trust?
1: So, how would you begin a conversation with that person you trust? Yeah, yeah. So we might be saying, "Hey, there's something I'm struggling with right now. Um, would you, you know, would you be up for being, a, you know, for helping me think through it? So I'm not looking for solutions um, just yet. I just want to be able to unpack it. Would you be up for that? Um, I think that could be a, one way of starting that conversation."
0: okay and then if someone has questions or perhaps hasn't got answers and i know coaches don't really give answers or shouldn't ideally but what if we need to talk to someone about our our consulting business our training business and get some advice um what would the next step be
1: well i think once you've once you've um you started to unpack like what questions you know, do I have and what do I want to think about it? And then when you get to a point where it's like, okay, now I need some advice, there's some missing information here, or there's a gap there, is then to you know, find out like, okay, who's the best person to talk to about that? Um, So that's where you might, you know if you've got your thinking partner you might ask them to go is anybody you'd recommend that I talk to um or you might brainstorm different avenues um but I think that's also where things like our networks our communities can come in so you know being part of a training community having other trainers that that um that you can go to to go I'm after some advice now um you know what what can you recommend here's the situation I think that that's where um the the beauty of not struggling on your own comes in.
0: Yeah, I like that idea of, of having perhaps other trainers, other um, facilitators in your network, and you can say, look, I want to reveal something. It's, it's perhaps something that um, I'm finding it difficult to share or uh, give away because it's to do with my business, but actually right now I'm struggling with X or Y. Uh, would you like to be my thinking partner on this? Um, is that the kind of thing you would do? I mean, if, if you're right now, because the thing is we often as trainers, we often feel, hey, we've got to have the answers. We're the people giving people answers <laughs> yeah. for a living. Uh, why do I have questions in my mind? Why do I not know these things? Uh, why do they not come to me automatically?
1: Yeah, that, that, absolutely. And, and again, that's something that I challenge in the book of like, you know, if you're the professional, the expert, um, is the definition of an expert, the person who always has all the answers, um, or you could the definition of an expert be someone who's asking like the next question. So someone who has certain amount of answers and is able to like give those answers and help people, but also has an eye on the horizon of going. Well, okay, so what are the new questions I need to be asking? What am I curious about? What am I going to be exploring? What else am I learning? Um, so that I can help other people with their learning journey. So um, one of the things that um I remember talking to a scientist about this once that yeah they said that the further the further along you go in science in terms of academia, the more you realise how much you don't know and um, the more questions you have than answers. And so maybe having lots of questions you know, isn't a sign that you, you're not a professional or the, you don't know what you're talking about. Maybe having lots of questions is a good sign that you're, you are a professional. You're at the kind of the edge of that horizon, and you're pushing the territory forwards, and you're, you're you're going into unknown territory rather than staying in this in the kind of comfort of what you know. And that that goes for leaders, um, absolutely, um, as well as experts and and trainers.
0: So, what about the process of writing a book? Because that's been a subject on previous episodes. Is the value from writing a book? Um, you, you're leading with that name struggle when people think of Grace Marshall, do they think of Productivity Ninja or Struggle or all of these things? And my second question then is, how has this helped your business writing these books?
1: Mm, Okay. Um, Great question. So I guess for my business, it's evolved over time. So if you think of kind of starting off as a coach, you can coach anybody on anything. Um, It's evolved and it's gone through different iterations as we've gone through. My books have almost played um, the part of two, two things. One is to almost put my stake in the ground to go, here is a topic that I am, you know, I'm invested in. Um, so it's like putting a stake in the ground to go, like, here's here's stuff that I, you know, I'm, at, I'm happy to help people with and I'm invested in and I'm digging deeper um, into those things. And the second thing is that it's, um, I found um, as a trainer and as a coach that books are really sort of door openers for me. So, some people often ask me, like, you know, what's your revenue stream like from the book? And um, I always laugh because royalties, you know, unless you are J.K. Rowling and you're selling that number of um, copies, quite often, especially with business books, um, the revenue isn't actually going to come directly from just royalties. Um, having the royalties is nice, absolutely. Um. But yeah, the main revenue actually is in the doors that it opens. So it's um, it's being known for a particular subject and then being asked to speak on that, for example, or to be asked to run training sessions on that. Or developing the training program that goes around the book um so for me having you know my my first two books were productivity related my first book is actually what then like led me to develop connections to end up here you know, working with think productive as their first female productivity nin- ninja back in 2012 um but then my second book is the um was published by pearson and it won an award with the charter management um institute so it was it won the management book of the year commuters read award so yeah so again so that that kind of being an award-winning author then opened some more doors um and then this third book has just gone out um and my hope is that it starts conversations so it's you know starting conversations into you know maybe actually where productivity meets mental health and well-being for example and that's a that's definitely a, a kind of area that I'm interested in exploring but even like things like um you know exploring your kind of productivity struggle and creativity and innovation and um you know there's a bit in the book where I talk about mistakes and how often the culture that we have around mistakes is that you're making mistake is maybe inevitable but it's not a productive use of your time because you're wasting time having to fix it and things like that but actually some of that culture means that we don't learn and we don't innovate and we don't grow so you know some of the stuff around our culture um, and you know making mistakes creativity innovation those are all areas that i'm really interested in but i'm hoping that struggle will you know that i've been exploring with struggle and now that it's out there i'm hoping i'll help other people to explore it and if they want to include me in the conversation i'm up for that
0: Tell me the truth. Was was writing these books a struggle? Because I'm because <laughs> a lot of people say I have a book in me. I'm a trainer. I'm a consultant. I know I could write something which people would read and find valuable. I just can't get this damn thing down on paper, or it's just driving me crazy. Uh, I'm giving up. That's a great struggle in itself.
1: Absolutely. So here's the truth. Um, I don't know anyone who didn't didn't struggle in writing their book. Um, So struggle is absolutely the territory when it comes to book writing. And even knowing that I think helps because I think, you know, again, it's that whole like, I'm finding it too hard so maybe I should give up, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Um, That's often the narrative, but the narrative that um, I've discovered is far more helpful is rather than think of like, um, you know, this is getting in the way of my work. It's like, this is the work. Um, you know so you know, if I'm struggling with it it's like this is what it looks like to write a book that we we all do struggle with it um, and you know and, and so therefore we don't have to kind of rail against it but also therefore we can use whatever resources or attention or um, focus that we have on you know on the job at hand rather than on beating ourselves up for not you know, not finding it easier. Um, so yes, it absolutely, you know, it was a struggle to write the books in, in different ways. Um, you know, the second book, for example, was felt very much like, you know, if I had to write everything I know about productivity, what do I put in it? Um, so that there was a certain amount of pressure involved in that. Um, and, and that was a struggle in itself. Uh, there's a lot of kind of ego wrangling there and um and, and a lot of imposter syndrome as well. Yeah. Um, but then in the second book, it was it was almost a different thing because it, this wasn't like here's something I've been talking about or helping people with for you know, for for a decade and there you know and I'm writing a book to say here's everything I know about it. The third book, you know, so, so struggle, is very much an exploratory book. It's I've got an idea here and I want to explore that with you. Um, and so yeah, you know, it was something I was learning as I was writing rather than I've got all the answers figured out. So it's a book that asks questions. Um, and gives insights that gets people thinking differently. But it's not a book that is like, here's an authoritative, here's how we should tackle struggle. Um, you know, because actually, I don't think that would be that helpful anyway. Um, but you know, it, to write that kind of book, you don't start off with, here are 10 chapters, you know, here, here's the outline of the book, and then I can just break it down and write it. You start off with like almost kind of pieces of the jigsaw before you know what the end result is going to look like. And then you have to kind of figure out like what, how does this evolve and how does this grow and how do I how is it going to come together? So it's it's almost something that you're you're birthing and discovering as it's being built.
0: So you've um, according to your profile, you've trained and taught over six thousand people as a productivity ninja in the last couple of years, um, and you've obviously been on the speaking tour. And you've done run- workshops in different places. In in you said Helsinki and, and Budapest in in Hungary. What's an, what's next then for for you?
1: I think at the moment it's um it is it's starting conversations on struggle.
0: And as a trainer, as someone who works with people and helps them to be the best they can be.
1: Yeah, yeah. So as a trainer and as a speaker, um, and you know, and and seeing where that goes, basically. So it's um you know, I'm known, I'm fairly well known now for being kind of a refreshing human voice in the world of productivity. So people tend to come to me, particularly if they don't feel like they're naturally organized and they want a particular, like a system that's or your something brand. like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's kind of what I'm known for. Um, but I think this area of kind of struggle is something that I'm exploring. And if people want to come on that journey with me, I'm very happy to.
0: So you, you plan to run any workshops or online products? I mean, will there be online courses around struggle?
1: Maybe. Um, I think let's see. Um,
0: I'm thinking commercially here, of course.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, but then also, I think, uh, yeah, at the moment it's, um, for me, my strengths lie in conversation. So before I create any kind of online product, I think it, it needs to start with conversations first. So I think it's for me at the moment, it's, it's, um, it's, yeah, talking to people who want to invite me into their space. So for example, organizations that are going, yeah, we want to change the culture on how people feel about mistakes.
0: That's where the monetization opportunities lie. And I guess that's what people listening to this are thinking too. You know, you've written a book, what's next? Where is the lead to from there? How can you monetize um, the book as, as a kind of a lead magnet? And what is that for you?
1: Yeah, it's how do I get the book to work for me? Exactly. And for the business. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, brilliant. So where can people find out more about you, uh, your website and places to go?
1: So if you go to gracemarshall.com, you'll find out all about me. If you go to strugglethebook.com, that will take you straight to the page about the book. Um, I'm on all the usual places, so Twitter. Um, I'm Grace Marshall. Instagram, I'm Grace Marshall Ninja. Um, LinkedIn, you'll find me if you put in Grace Marshall Productivity Ninja, you'll find me there. Um, And same on Facebook as well.
0: Grace, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for your time.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Mark.
0: A huge thanks to Grace Marshall for being my guest today on the show. And a huge thanks to you for your time, for listening to today's episode. There is, of course a fresh episode every single Thursday. And many of those episodes, by the way, are suggested, or the topics at least, are suggested by people just like you. So I'm sure you've got great ideas for episodes and content. So please keep those ideas coming. You can email me directly via mark at trainingbusiness.com. And you'll find an episode of the show every single Thursday on your podcast platform of choice, whether it's Apple, Apple, stitcher spotify or many other platforms which i can't even list because there are so many of them but until next thursday when i of course look forward to your company and your ideas and feedback please take care of yourself and loved ones stay safe keep training bye for now